making it doubly, hey. I'll get rid of it after. If, if Tara went after you, I would make the same comment. I don't think you're extra contamination. You're protecting me from Yeah, that's right. So our reading this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, and it's chapter 8, and we're reading verses 1 to 15. Jesus travelled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Cusa, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna and many others, these women were helping to support them out of their own means. While a large crowd was gathering and the people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed, and he was scattering the seed. Some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Some seed fell on the some seed fell on the rock. And when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it, and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on the good soil. It came up and yielded a crop, a hundred times more than was sown. When Jesus said this, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant, and he said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. But this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on the good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Thank you, Ty. So with Astro being born, we've got another baby boy. We had Sunny first, a little boy, and then Luna, a little girl. But we did retain some of Sunny's clothes. And so from when he was a bub, we're pulling out these things that we haven't seen for as much as six years. He turned six in April. And, you know, have you ever been through this where you pull out something, even with your own clothing, you pull it out and you're like, oh, I remember that. I remember when I fitted into that. I remember when that was fashionable. All these different kind of things, you know. You find those cargo pants that have those big baggy pockets on the side or your shorts that went past your knees or your shorts that went way higher than they should have. We've been playing that game with Astro. Do you know what? I reckon the parable of the sower, or the parable of the seed and the soils, is one of those passages, isn't it? You've probably heard this passage before. 
I think I've taught this passage a bunch of times, but I don't think I've ever preached on it. I think I've taught it like in youth group and in kids groups and things like that because it's one of those great things that parables are. It's a visual representation of something that is true but put in terms that that we can understand. Yet you'll realise that Jesus said it to a crowd with a partial intention so that they wouldn't understand it and really we get our understanding of this from that explanation that he gives to his disciples. Now, given that it's so familiar, it can be very easy to be one of those ones that we just kind of tune out to. Tune out and, and we can also associate it, I think, with some of the things that we've been taught about sharing the gospel with people. It's often been used as one of those passages that, to give some kind of context to what it will be like to share the gospel, to sow the seed. That as you go out and share the gospel with people, you will encounter hard hearts and you'll encounter rocky ground and you'll encounter shallow ground and you'll find some people that will accept it and it'll be a great, great thing. I've been pushed in my thinking on this passage and I think it's actually a really um, helpful part of God's word for us to come back to today in the context of where we're at, what we've been through and what we're doing. And the reason I think it's so good is because I actually don't think that's why Jesus was saying it to his disciples. Uh, There is a bit of a sending out that does happen, and it comes up in Matthew and Mark and Luke. So at different points when you read this parable, there is some sending out that Jesus does of his disciples. But there's some other things contextually that actually help us to see that this passage has got got something more to say or something a little bit different. If we just kind of interpret this the way that 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 way of thinking that people respond to the word differently um, is, well, we'll just end up with this kind of, you know, misconstrued idea that three quarters of people will just reject the word and one quarter will receive it. And Obviously, we must fit in that one quarter because we call ourselves Christians. And so, at the end, you produce a crop. So, well, then what's a Christian life about? must just be about trying to be really fruitful, trying to really um, produce a lot of fruit. That's actually really bad thinking. That's works thinking. That's thinking that Christian life is all about what I do, all about what I do to produce fruit for God. Maybe as Ty read that, or maybe at some other point, you've listened to this, and you you listen to those other soils that you know a Christian isn't meant to be, and you kind of do the, like, dope, that's me. I can see that. I can see that in my own life. And so that's where we're going to see this morning that I, I think this is an invitation from Jesus to examine your heart. Examine your heart and then listen to his gospel. See, when you look at the context in this, and I don't know whether you're in your own Bible at the moment, um, but if you can see back in chapter 7, Luke's told us that Jesus was just in a Pharisee's house. Pharisees, the guys that should know what it is to know God, but keep getting it wrong. He's in one of their homes. And in their home, a woman comes in and she washes Jesus' feet. And they're all snickering. They're like, doesn't Jesus know who that woman is? For whatever reason, um, 
whether she was a prostitute or just someone known for, for having some kind of uh, obvious sin in her life, she comes in and Jesus, the, the Pharisees rebuke Jesus for engaging with her. And then Jesus says, no, her sins are forgiven. And right there, we're given some context of, of a hardened heart, a heart that is hard to God's word. And so it makes me think that the audience here that Jesus is speaking to isn't trying so much to determine if the listeners are saved or not. They would have been more thinking, why is this sinful woman receiving forgiveness and not the Pharisees? What is this message of Jesus actually about? Why does he show her such amazing grace? And this is really at the heart of what this parable is saying to us. The sower goes out to sow some seed. Interpret it this way. Jesus is out sowing seed. Jesus is speaking the word of God in his ministry. Jesus is the living word come into this sinful world. The seed is God's word and Jesus is the sower. I think if we uh, understand it any other way, we will end up with an impossible kind of legalism. Like I said, this is a heart check, an invitation to a heart checkup. Now, for some of you, you've actually had those because you've had dodgy hearts. Uh, you can pray for John Harley. He's about to have something done on it. We can thank God for Dave and the heart work that he's had done. But we know that as God speaks about our heart, as, as Jesus speaks about our heart, he's, he's speaking about that thing in which we relate to him. We relate to him. We relate to him and worship in our thinking and in our actions, but really from the heart is where we are at with God. And so this is a bit of a heart check. They've just witnessed the encounter with the Pharisees and the crowds are following Jesus now from town to town. We learn that in verse 4 of what Ty read for us. A large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town and that's when he tells this parable. Jesus tells this to his disciples. The women that are part of them, the 12 that are mentioned there, this, this group of people who are really seemingly to be devoted to following him. And the passage when Jesus interprets it makes it really clear that the soils are our hearts. He says it there in verse 12. Those along the path are the ones who hear and then the devil comes and takes the word away from their hearts. In verse 15, again, as he interprets it, he says the seed of the good, on the good soil stands for those with a noble and a good heart. This is a heart checkup. So this morning as we look at this, we're doing a heart checkup. Where is our heart at in our relationship with God? Where is your heart at? Because God desires your heart. In reaching out to you with the love of Jesus, with the forgiveness, with the grace and mercy that he's shown to us, he desires to take hold of our heart. That all our affections, all our desires, all our joys, all our fears and sorrows would be caught up in this relationship that he's blessed us with. How is your heart? Think about it as we think through these 
these different soils and what Jesus says about them. First picture, a seed scattered out onto, might as well be that pavement out there. It's not going to grow anywhere. This is the hard heart, isn't it? Now, can a true Christian really have a hard heart to the message of the gospel? That's like a thing you could write an essay about, isn't it? And people would debate about. But for the purpose of what Jesus is saying, I think he's actually challenging. He's challenging. That's what he would do with the Pharisees. The model example of of a heart that is hard to God for all its knowledge of, of the word of God it's a heart that just hasn't penetrated. And you see in the Gospels at times where, where it does penetrate into the heart of the Pharisees. But is it possible for us to turn into Pharisees? Have you ever driven somewhere and you've arrived at your destination and it's a place that you've been to tens or twenties or hundreds of times and you just do it on autopilot? You've arrived there and it might have even, you might have even been driving for like 45 minutes, an hour, and you got there and you're like, I do not remember driving here. I don't remember the bends. I don't, I could, don't ask me what cars I passed. Was the traffic, I don't know. Was it raining? I don't know. Have you ever, have you had that experience? Let me suggest that going on as a Christian, this is a danger that can creep in. In fact, if you follow the nation of Israel through the Old Testament and you see the priests and the, and the, the Pharisees where they landed, the more familiar you are with something, the easier it can be to be so familiar with it that it's just familiar. And familiar in such a way that it's, that it's not bringing that life or joy or or, or abundant life that, that I was describing before. Can a Christian have a true heart? Well, a heart that is hard to God is not, is not someone following Jesus. But is there, is there a path that we can be on that is, that is so familiar or so kind of hardened to God's word where, where that's actually a pretty good description? Familiar. You know the answers. You can sit in a Bible study and you can throw out the right answers. You can even pray in a way that uses all the right words, the right motions and all those kind of things. Actually, the motions, going through the motions. Isn't that a, an easy thing to slip into? Now, maybe these last three months has been the first time for a long time in your life where you haven't had that habit of regularly going to church. You know, this could have been a season for you where that hard heart was revealed because all the routine of it all was thrown out, wasn't it? It was gotten rid of. Just think about that for a second. Did that reveal some kind of hardness in your heart? I've been um, sticking more closely than I ever have with a read the whole Bible in a year program this year. And um, it's really been aided by finding a podcast that actually puts it in your ears every day. But I find that if I'm, for the convenience of having my headphones in and having it playing to me, if I'm not sitting still or, or driving somewhere, I can do that safely, or sitting with the word actually in front of me, if I've got it on while I'm, you know, trying to get the kids breakfast or things like that, it just it becomes background noise. 
It just is, can be like that. It's a real danger in that hard examination. How are you engaging with God's word? Is this where you're at? Well, let's think about the second soil, the rocky ground, a ground where, where something will grow, but it won't establish any roots, and so it will fall over. When you look at John chapter 6, there's a point where Jesus in his teaching says, he says to the, he puts the hard word on the crowd and crowds just flee from him. They leave him in, in great numbers. In fact, after, in the week leading up to Jesus' death, more and more people drop off. The night before Jesus' death, almost everyone's dropped off right to the point where Peter, who's still kind of following along, but denying that he even knows Jesus. The crowds represent this kind of heart. There's plenty of examples of this throughout, uh, throughout the Gospels. What is it that, that gets in the way here? What is the thing that we see in our heart that that stops God's word being effective or bringing the life that it's meant to in our life. Well, Jesus says here that it's troubles. It's how we respond to things going wrong, things going not as we planned, unexpected things or things that we struggle with. Now, if you, if you studied with us through the book of Philippians, that really addressed that well, didn't it? What it is uh, to, to deal with with hard times, how do we deal with anxiety? How do we have God's perspective on that? But for this moment, the, the, um, the invitation here, the heart examination for this one is to think how do we actually react to troubles? Because the great news of the gospel is, the great news of relationship with God is, is that the harder the trouble, the more that we can lean into God. God is so good from beginning to end that he uses absolutely everything, even the evilest of things, to bring good in our lives. If indeed we are following him, if indeed we are his children. Do you know there's a date in February, I don't know exactly when it is, but there's a date in February where in a business model of a gym, they know they can like pack a big percentage of their equipment away. Because people do that, they, they make the New Year's resolution and they have this surge of registrations in, you know, the first week of January. You might have done this before, signed up for the gym at that time. But then kind of some normality comes back with work or with kids or something early in February, I don't know the exact date, and that's it. We've got you hooked in, we've got you signed up for 12 months, we've got your money, but you're not coming along <laughs> anymore because people just kind of give up because it's too hard. It's too hard to work out. It's too hard to make time to work out. The troubles get in the way. Do you know, I actually think that gyms, if every member turned up at one time, they have like 20% capacity for everyone that's there. But that's, that's an irrelevant fact. Anyway, the point is, that's a good illustration for this kind of heart, isn't it? heart that'll just give up when troubles get in the way. So the question in assessing your heart, does this describe your Christian life right now? Well, what about the third soil? So the thing about the third soil, this soil where there's growth but there's also thorns growing, it's good rich soil. 
stuff doesn't grow unless it's good soil. The problem here is that it's, it's a life where we're following Jesus just gets choked out by all the other stuff. It's like it's polluted. A life that receives Jesus, but it hasn't quite sunk in that Jesus actually takes that place of bedrock, of being the cornerstone in a person's life. Instead, it's just kind of another thing. When Jesus is just another thing, of course he's going to get crowded out. When your life is just a myriad of different things, well, one thing will be in your attention, in your view, and then it'll have to be something else, and then we have to do something else, or it'll be like juggling balls that you're all trying to keep off the ground. The life that we're invited to in the gospel is to have Jesus, relationship with God, as a bedrock, as an underpinning, as a thing that gives us stability as all those balls are up in the air. It doesn't so much change the nature of our life, but it puts us in a different position to live it. I think a bit of an illustration of a heart that's like this, and whether this is what's actually happening in your life or, or whether this is just an illustration, you work that out. But if you're really good at registering for things, if you're, if you, when you get on your Google Chrome or whatever, if you fill in a form, it all just shoots up because you've filled in like three forms that day and seven that week. If you're really good at signing on to this activity over here and this activity over there, It's that picture of a completely crowded out life, isn't it? Well, know this. When the gospel message is just another thing floating around in your thinking, it's only a matter of time, Jesus says, before worries get in the way. And worries can derail the place of Jesus. Or on the opposite end of the spectrum, pleasures get in your way. There will be plenty of things that we can devote our life to that immediately are more pleasurable than what it is to really stick it out following Jesus. And ultimately, those things will stop us maturing. And so I ask you again, does this describe your heart at this moment? And then, of course, Jesus talks about a fourth soil, a soil where we mature, a heart that is receptive a heart that grows deeply in this rich relationship that God plants in it. When Paul is writing the book of Galatians and he's talking about the Spirit's role in, in growing that fruit, he, he says this is a life that is kept in step with what God's doing, in step with the Spirit. Now, of course, it's not hard to work out that this is the place where we want to be. For Christian maturity, this is the place where we need to be. And so I ask again, does this describe your heart at the moment? I've heard from some people over this time that this is where they've been at, that God has really enriched this time, that time has been freed up. I find that when I say that, how's your your lockdown been? And some people, I say, say, I've found that I've had a considerable amount of freed up time or a big change, and people look at you like, what? Where have you been? This, this has been chaotic for me. I don't know if you've encountered that or you've encountered someone who got a chaotic life out of it and another person that got a kind of like a, a bit of relief out of it. Maybe you haven't been running kids around anywhere or, 
or you got to work from home and that was actually really doable. I'm not sure what the case is. But I've been hearing from people just how rich a time this has been in their Christian walk. And we praise God for that, don't we? See, this is a heart check. This passage, Jesus says it and invites us, just like he invited his disciples, to consider where their heart is at. What is your heart like? And I want to say something more than that. Hasn't it been like all of those things? Can't you think through your life and recognize where you've represented all four of those types of soils and even probably in the last three months represented all those types of soils? And I know for certain that I have. Where my heart's been hard or my faith has been shallow or where it's been enriching or where it's been crowded out. Well, no matter what this heart check and what this passage reveals to you, I want you to remember the power of the seed that is sown. The power of the seed that is sown is the gospel message. Right at the start of this chapter, Jesus goes about proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. This was what he was sowing out. This is what has been sown into your life. This is what has brought you into relationship with God. It's a message that invites us to repent. And as we do a heart check, we do it knowing that we do it in front of a God to whom we can repent, to whom we can turn back, to whom we can say, Lord, make my heart good, fertile soil that you will grow in, that you will use to produce your fruit. We know that we do this heart check in front of the God who offers us forgiveness, who stands with his arms stretched out offering that. Notice there that that really is that last heart, a heart that is humble and loves the word. The seed that is in good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word and retain it and persevere and produce a crop. The call on us is to repent every time we notice our heart being hard or troubled or crowded and again trust the gospel. And so the real last piece in what Jesus has said here to understand is that it's not just a heart check, but it's a hearing check. A hearing check. Notice there is the way that we feed our heart is by what we listen to. Jesus helps you assess how you listen. Listen to verse chapter, chapter 8, verse 8, and the second part of it. Jesus, having said the parable, parable says, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Jesus' invitation is to listen and believe in him. However, in verse 10, he says that there is a, a way in which God's judges us. It judges us. Verse 10, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given to you, but to others I speak in parables. So, though seeing, they may not see. Though hearing, they may not understand. If we're not in relationship with him, if you know this morning that you are not someone that is in relationship with Jesus, the invitation 
is to receive his word and believe it. But I'm convinced that most of us are already there. We're already believers. And so that's why I'm convinced that this is a parable for believers. So, don't stop listening. Don't stop feeding your heart the word of God. Don't let the message be stolen. From the second soil, don't stop the message going deep into your life. Resist the fear that you have to let that happen. Third thing, don't let the message get crowded out. And finally, let the word grow. Take over. Be fruitful. But do you know what? Me telling you don't do these three things and do this final thing, that's not going to make you change, is it? That doesn't empower you to change, and I don't even believe that's what Jesus was doing. You know, I can't do that. You can't do that in your own effort. We can't do that. Jesus didn't say that. The seed changes you. God's gospel changes you. The power of the message that you have been adopted as a child of the almighty God who has tenderly loved you as a child shown you his mercy and his grace. His son has died in your place. He is resurrected to life and the forgiveness that he offers you is complete. It's a grace which depths you can't plumb. You cannot get to the bottom of it. The love shown to you in this gospel message is unending. So fill your heart with that message. Via your ears, feed your heart the truth of God's word. Pray that his spirit, and my prayer for us as a church, and my prayer for, for people who aren't believers, and my prayer for myself is that God's spirit would open my heart to, to be receptive to that message. But from your point of view, not, not to earn your salvation, but for your own good, make sure you're reading it. Read it again. Listen again. If it's a sermon that you've heard or if it's a sermon from our church, don't just listen to it once. Look up the video. Meditate on it. Talk about it with others. Really feed yourself. You've got to get fat on God's word, okay? You don't need to be on a diet from that. No COVID calories matter. But notice there... I don't know why, I didn't do enough study to know why Luke recorded it this way and the others didn't. But one of the last things that Luke says, Jesus says here, is that those who hear the word retain it and by persevering produce a good crop. Or in the ESV version, it says with patience produce a good crop. This is where we've got to remember that we are on a long journey and we daily need to encounter his grace and rely on it. In fact, this is where, we, where it's really helpful to know the whole Bible. I mean, all of it's God's word, and I'm going to preach through an Old Testament book for the rest of this term and all that kind of stuff. But the thing that I find most helpful from knowing the Bible from start to finish is that I get to know the faithful God of that whole story. 
and I'm, I'm opened to his faithfulness. And as you see and know the God who is faithful through all his promises, through all time, and you keep that grand view of it, then it helps you to persevere. It helps you to be patient because you know that he's had it all that time. And so you're certain that he will have it again. You know, we've kind of, in a way, seen the church disappear a little bit. Maybe church has disappeared out of your life in some regard or another. The crowd subsided. Jesus tells this parable and they all nick off. Where have they gone? It's so weird, isn't it? Jesus isn't freaking out because he knows the power of his word. And he knows the abundant crop that will be produced when it is in a receptive heart. And we can trust that. Trust that God's gospel word will be 